Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sportly commentary to what if you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hoggy and nonsense. Hey everybody, I'm Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, your worldwide leader in uh, sports and also hockey and also uh, women's hockey and also the KHL and also what, men's and women's NCAA hockey? My God, it's like we have all the hockey except for Canadian Junior, which I'm sure we don't really want. Days away from announcing an OHL contract or something. (laughs) Uh, I'm Ryan Lambert. From Elite Prospects, EPRingside.com. I'm Sean McIndoo from The Athletic. You're in Puck Soup, and we're a week into the season, and already, already there are things happening. There are are panics to be had. I think that uh, at least one-third of the Puck Soup family has been very excited about the happenings in Chicago (laughs) to start the season. Uh, Excited, Um, I don't know. I think the word is vindicated, Greg. Once again, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Blackhawks are as we do this podcast. They they are uh, uh, not good. They are o three and one in their first four games. Uh, a, a negative nine goal differential, coming off a loss on home ice. Their first fully full capacity crowd in five hundred and eighty seven days, and they absolutely shit the bed against the Islanders. Never a good sign when your head coach is doing the. Well, we're we're looking for a small victories within the loss kind of shit four games into the season. Uh, I, as I said many times in this podcast, I thought Jeremy Colleton was going to be the first coach fired. Uh, there is nothing that has happened in the first four games to d- dissuade me from that. Lambert, your assessment of America's team, the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the big one is that, you know, I think we all kind of thought they weren't going to be... Uh let's say solid defensively or anything like that. I think the big surprise is Marc-Andre Fleury has an 840 save percentage. <laughs> That's not good. It that dude should have retired. He should have been like, you know what? I am staying home. Uh, Jonathan Taves, no points after we were all assured. Oh, he's looked so good in training camp, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Seth Jones has been, uh, well, he looked, he was really good against the Devils. Actually, that game that they uh, lost in overtime, he looked, Maybe like the best player on the ice, quite frankly. Um, but he's been bad overall. Uh, you know, they always say, like, don't put stock in plus minus, but let's just go down the list here. Alex Debrinkit minus six. Uh, Patrick Kane minus five. Tyler Johnson minus five. Seth Jones minus four. Connor Murphy minus six. Calvin DeHaan minus four. Could, could, we, could we pause for a second? Like, here's the thing. Really bad. I completely agree with you that we shouldn't put too much stock into plus minus. But can we all admit that it's just really fun? Like, isn't plus minus still fun yeah. to point at somebody and say this guy's well, minus thirty? You know, it's it's the it, I, I it's funny because you know you I it's only I only used it because uh, it's the <laughs> it's the stats I had in front of me at the time. But it, but, but it's, it's it, it is illustrative of something. Mm. But it, but we all know that it's a faulty stat. But Sean, you you were about to chime in on plus. No, I just, I mean, I I honestly think if we fixed it as far as the flaws around uh, special teams play and especially 
empty net play at the end of the game, and we just made it like a strict five-on-five. Five-on-five, yeah, of course. It would actually be a marginally useful stat. Oh, I, yeah, I think it would be very Especially useful. over big sample sizes, you know. It's, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it is fun to occasionally use it and, like, add up all the plus-minuses for one line. And that's right make people insane. yeah i mean like i you know it's just always the thing of you're you're always just using it to reinforce your point and you gotta go well look obviously it's a flawed stat but dot 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 um but yeah i just pulled up their uh five on five uh plus minus uh to bring it minus like a bunch of guys minus six minus five minus four like let's put it this way the only guy who is who has a positive goal difference uh at five on five is Kirby Doc, and he's plus one. Should Marc Andre Fleury have retired? Yeah, I just said that. Okay. Yeah, that's rough, and, and and it's like Ryan said he he listed those three guys right: Fleury, Jones, Taves were the three additions. Tyler to the Johnson team. I mean, too. You know, he's looked like Tyler, shit. Yeah. But, I mean, those were the three guys, and, and, you know, obviously Taves, not an acquisition, but didn't play last year. Those are the three guys that you looked at and said, they're adding all three of those guys. That will make them better than they were last year when they were not a very good team. And so far, all three of those guys look bad. And if all three of those guys are bad, then you're not a better team because Tyler Johnson isn't making the, isn't moving the needle. So, uh, yeah, it, it starts to feel like the coaching change has to be the next play because... I don't. What are you going to do otherwise? So the name that people like to throw out there for this job, because in hockey logic, what you do is if your team can't defend, you get the defensive coach to come in, so now they can defend. Would be Claude Julian. Oh, Greg, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Chicago fans really getting the hashtag higher torts going. <laughs> wow that's really? i'm not just like that I, I made like i jokingly like screenshotted that was a, a comment in mark lazarus's like game three. Oh boy column um well that's exciting because you know i was wondering how can the chicago blackhawks become more of a usa hockey circle jerk and that would be one way yeah is to hire john tortorella yeah. is dan bilesma busy <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like screenshotted it and Lazarus was like, no, the number of people who have said to me, when are they going to hire Tortorella is like through the roof right now. Um, they, yeah. Well, next like, time I see him in the fair. ESPN commissary, I'll ask him, are you interested in coaching Chicago? If he should, uh, take a cue from Mark Andre Fleury and be like, no, thank you. I'm all <laughs> set. Imagine being Seth Jones and... <laughs> years under Tortorella I don't even know if he liked him or not as a coach but I mean that's got to wear on you even if you kind of generally like the dude and you get four whole games away from him who, who would shit his pants the most would it be Seth Jones with Torts getting hired by Chicago or Pierre-Luc Dubois with Torts getting hired by Winnipeg <laughs> PLD for sure that would be it yeah <laughs> Um, all right, Chicago sucks, unfortunately, but they'll, l- let's see if they get good when they finally get a coach that knows his way around a defensive system. Uh, they are not the only winless wonder as we do this podcast this week. Uh, big shocker, Arizona, didn't have a win yet. They're going to have to try harder, though. They do have a point. Um, yeah, that must have been... That was frustrating for them. That hurts. Sure. Yeah. They, they had to hate that. Uh, Calgary is winless, but they only played two games as we do the podcast. Um 
they've also Winnipeg. Go ahead. The, I mean, like the problem problem with Calgary is every question you might have had, like the goaltending hasn't looked good, the defense hasn't looked that good. Um, like at times, I guess you would say. But like I was looking, I was writing the the power feelings earlier, and um, their underlying numbers are unbelievable. And it's like, oh right, because they hired Terrell Sutter. Terrell Sutter, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they they can't do anything right apart from have the puck the whole game. Um, which, hey, that's not nothing, I guess, but yeah. I want to get to, to I want to get to Winnipeg and the Habs in a second, but I do want to pause and talk about the Pacific Division while we're visiting the lovely West Coast and the central, the western part of Canada, I guess too. So I think most of us thought that Vegas and Edmonton were playoff teams. Obviously Vegas is in, in a weird place right now with the injuries to Stone and Patchy Reddy. They haven't looked like themselves necessarily. That's fine. It's fixable. Edmonton, once again, it looks like a team that's going to score their way out of any fucking problem that they have this oh my season. God. Holy I mean, it's, shit. it's incredible. Like, that's why you had to cement them into the playoffs because Leon and Connor were just going to, like, fucking drag whatever iteration. It's of because, team. yeah, they, they call penalties in the regular season. So yeah, they're going to be and, fine. Right. And, like, as we do the podcast, I'm not sure what Mike Smith's health situation is going forward, but, like, they could fucking sign Mike Vernon and they're still going to be a playoff team because of Connor and Leon. Yeah. Um, so those two. But here's the rest of the division. It's kind of weird. Like, Anaheim, I thought was going to be better. They do look better. It looks like we, we are going to have that sweet spot of infusion of youth and veteran guys that all of a sudden give a shit again. They're going to be bad but fun. If, think so? if, if yeah. the first if the first few games are any indication, like I don't think anybody's looking at this roster going, you know, playoffs not outside you know, realm of possibility. But like they're scoring a bunch of goals and they're and they look like they're having fun doing it. Which like that's what you should do when you're tanking, right? Like just go. Who gives a shit? None of this matters. Let's try lacrosse goals. Fuck but, it. But the thing, but the thing is, is they're not tanking. Like this is the thing that it, I I you don't think be, Anaheim's I'm gonna be tanking? very. No, I don't. Wow. I, who Show me the evidence that they're tanking. Who have they traded from that team? That's the thing. We've always complained about Bob Murray not tanking. Like, yeah. he should be tanking. I guess that's Like, true. Gibson should be on another team. Lindholm should be on another team. Fucking Raquel and, and Silverberg should be on another team. Yeah. They're all still there. And my worst nightmare is that Anaheim's a playoff team, and we have to go back and apologize for three years of calling Bob Murray a fucking idiot for not trading these guys. Yeah, even if they're a playoff team, this is still the wrong way to go about things, right? Like, like for real, this is just not... And, you know, again, like, let's wait until they're not shooting, like, 11% or whatever the number I, is. Right? I completely... But, it's four games into the season. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, but the Sam Steele currently shooting 100%, it says here. It's pretty good. Well, you... I mean, you also miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but in Sam, Seal, Sam Seal's case, you make 100% of the shots that you do take. Wow. You have to change the, the dry erase board. Uh, Vancouver, oof, I don't know. Um, LA, I mean, they they lost in Nashville last night as you the podcast, but, I mean, they, they're going to be better. And then you come to the, the Kraken. We're five, well, okay, San Jose is 2-0, but come on. Uh, the Kraken have played five games. They're one, three, and one. And I watched them against the Devils last night, and they're just kind of an amorphous blob of a team right now. Like I don't know what they're supposed to be, and to have given up nineteen goals in five games is not what I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be pretty stout defensively. I don't know, man. What do you make of the Kraken so far, Sean? Uh, I'm willing to hold off until they get a home game, uh, which is is their next game. They the first five they. 
they've all started on the road. But yeah, at this point, if you're looking for any indication, you know, forget about the Vegas comparison, but just some indication that this is a good team, as in playoff bubble, like you haven't really seen it. Um, yeah, I guess the the burst against the the Golden Knights when they came back from the three nothing that uh, you know that that maybe got you some some excitement, but no, they they haven't looked great. And I mean, the thing with Seattle, we we kind of said all along is. You know, they they hire Ron Francis, okay. They hire Dave Haxtell, everyone goes, oh, all right. They <laughs> don't make any trades before the expansion draft. We're all wondering what what was up with that. The, the draft comes and goes. We look at the roster and go, you know, they're not bad, but it's it doesn't look great. And, and we're all so gun-shy because so much of the same stuff went on with Vegas. And, of course, they, uh, you know, they, they made us all look dumb. I think people have been kind of hesitant in kids' glove with Seattle to look at them and say, this might not be a very good team. And you know what? If they're not, that's okay. They're an expansion team. Expansion teams aren't supposed to be good. But it's like Vegas screwed up all the expectations so much uh, that we all kind of want to tiptoe around the fact that Seattle just might be bad uh, for a year. I think what threw us off, though, is like some of the moves they made. Like bringing in a Jaden Schwartz would to me mean a, a now kind of move mm-hmm. group hour. I mean, I guess you could look at group hour kind of like what the devils did with Ducky Hamilton, what the Rangers did with Artemi Panarin, but with them saying, well, we're not going to have a chance to sign a guy like group hour when we need him, And then they sign him. But the group hour thing is the one that really threw me that they, they were trying well, they're, to contend. They're clearly they are. trying to be decent, which, you know, you probably want to do in a, in a new market. I, I think right. we've seen examples where teams have come in and stunk for three years and then they go, oh, weird, we're having trouble yeah. getting a fan base. So uh, it, it was the right decision. And, you know, again, like the expectations, I'm not sure what, what they should have been. But even, you know, some of the models had them as like a 95-point team and yeah. they, they got a ways to go to get there. It's It's not working yet. But again, they haven't... They haven't even been home. They haven't even had a chance to feed off that energy of the new fans. And, you know, when you compare it to Vegas, you know, different circumstances. But that first night in Vegas, it felt like that was what fed everything that came after it. And they haven't had that yet. So let's 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 give them a little bit. It'd be fascinating to see if they could thread the needle with being a competitive team that doesn't make the playoffs. And then somehow they have... Shane Wright and Matty Beniers as their like two centers of the next fucking fifteen years. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad for them. I think. I feel. Like. I think that'd be a pretty yeah. good plan if you could pull that one off. Um. Yeah, I don't know what this with the Kraken are supposed to be though. I know that they should definitely get more scoring from their D, which hasn't really happened all that much yet. Uh, Winnipeg, o two and one. Paul Maurice, watch. Are uh, you, we, are we at, are we you know. It should have happened like 15 times in the last few years anyway. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, cause he just feels like a coach that's never going to get fired. Like the owners love him, that kind of shit. Um, but with that having been said, boy, do they look bad. And after everything mm. they added this summer that everybody was like, Hey, they might actually be good defensively. Paul Maurice was like, let me remind you. <laughs> I coach this team and it's like, oh, right. Yeah. No, I guess, I guess we should have thought of that part too. Um, well, I think part of the problem is that like they added, uh, you know, some players to their defense, but they didn't realize that uh, uh, Superman punching was legal in the NHL, uh, which is kind of a problem. Yeah. Did you see that last night, Sean? Oh yeah. With yeah, Felino we, and, and Brendan Dillon. We saw that. Um, I mean, I guess 
I liked, was it Shifley after the game was like, yeah, if you're in a fight, the other guy's probably going to try to punch you in the face. You, you got to be ready for it. They didn't Cognizant see that. of it. <laughs> I don't, I got to be honest. I don't like, BXA used to do this move every now and then. Yes. I don't fully, I'm certainly not an MMA guy, so I don't even understand whether it's a, a smart move there, but I, I feel like jumping into the air when you have skates on your feet is probably not a great strategic move unless you're a hundred percent sure you're going to catch the other guy off guard. And even then, like, I mean, it, it looked kind of cool, but he missed the punch. So it's, uh, you know, kind of my, my context for this is not MMA cause I'm a real n- normie. Okay. It's Roman Reigns. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong in that? <laughs> Marcus Molina <laughs> wants to be the head of the table and yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> You know, does that does that who does that make the Usos in the uh, Minnesota? Well, clearly uh, Nick, context. and they got to bring Mike in for uh, Nick and. <laughs> I was going to say Joel Eriksson-Eck is one of them for sure. Like, call me when somebody spears somebody during a fight. Then we've really got something. Um, yeah, it was. I, I you know, it's funny. I completely forgot that BX was doing that shit for a while. Yeah, fights. I, I, I remember him twice, doing it maybe but, once or twice. Yeah. yeah. Do Why don't we see more finishing moves in fights? Explain that to me. Yeah. You, it, could you get suspended if you gave someone a stunner, like at the end of a fight? I, I feel like the answer to this question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we found out this week that the classic wrestling headbutt is a 50-50 chance. That's right. That That's a 50-50 chance, so, right. I don't know. I feel like a good, uh, you know, you drop a DDT. I feel like it really depends if you... If you signal it first, if mm. you do the spinning finger and same with the stunner, like, I feel like the stunner's okay, but the kick to the stomach to proceed, it would be frowned upon. So yeah. uh, the kick to the stomach would be frowned upon definitely with skates on. Yeah. Uh, and also you'd probably get yourself a nice $2,500 uh, $2, fine. If you gave someone the double birds before you kicked yeah. them. The you'd, you'd have to be like early ringmaster, like pre kick, uh, stunner. And then I think maybe. This, this okay. is interesting. So you're saying that there's a chance that you might not get suspended if you slapped on the million dollar dream. That's right. Yeah. You see that in, in half the scrums, uh, like, you know, like there's a big hit, uh, but everybody gathers up the last guy in, just comes in and, and slaps the slaps the uh, Cobra Clutch on. They they teach the linesman how to put on the million dollar dream That's right. at, at officials camp to, to end a scrum. What if it's what if it's the diamond cutter instead of the stunner? Is there any nuance there? Um, is one more devastating than the other? Well, the RKO is you know, what, what well, it comes out of, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, is the problem so, with that. Yeah, that's the RKO has got to be like in the penalty box or something. <laughs> post post game interview, something like that. Austin yeah. Matthews is hanging over the side of the bench at the end of a long <laughs> shift. Just come in, bam. <laughs> It's kind of amazing that Matthew Kachuk hasn't attempted an RKO at some point. He would be the guy at this point, right, that would be most likely to deliver an RKO during an active game. Yeah, for sure. Now, now that Marchand's cleaned up his act. That's right. I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Winnipeg's in trouble. Uh, Montreal, my God. So you have a team that can't score, even though nobody uh, offensively of significance was injured. And, in fact, they got Drouin back. But then you also have the, you know, knocked off its access losses of uh, Shea Weber to injury and Carey Price to the player assistance program. 
And then hanging over all of this is apparently a dude who just wants to go work with his friend in Los Angeles and, and not be the GM of the, of the Habs anymore. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, where did that come from? Because I saw that. Larry Brooks. Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't see. The well, I mean, and the fact that it came from Larry Brooks tells me that it probably came from Bergevin, and, and it probably meant like it, it could easily just be a negotiating tactic, right? Sure. But the idea that uh, like here's the thing, like. If he went to L.A., I, I imagine it's some, some sort of, like, president of hockey ops, ab- above the fray kind of position, right? And if you're Rob Blake, you're like, what the fuck? I've just meticulously built this team, and now there's another GM working Yeah, and me. plus, you know, of all the GMs where you could say he earned the chance to go to another team and move up the ladder, uh, the guy who, like... Uh, has basically managed the Habs into the ground, uh, but then accidentally uh, made a cup final... Like that that's the guy you're gonna hire? Okay. I don't blame him for trying to leave Montreal. Oh, it seems no, like a really tough not. gig. And then also like if you sign a new contract, you are definitely getting fired during that next contract. One hundred percent. Let's not fucking, you know, stand on ceremony here. Um but yeah, the Habs look, everyone not everyone, let me rephrase that. Most non Habs fans knew that this team was was punching well above its weight for two months last season. Yeah. And um and I, I, I didn't think they were a playoff team. I didn't think they'd be this bad. But again, like you take two guys that have, you know, say what you will about Shea Weber and say what you will about Carey Price in the regular season. But like those guys are stabilizing presences. And like when shit starts spiraling out of control, you look to those guys to kind of anchor the team well, it's and, not, and not being there is a the problem. You don't even have to get into like the identity thing or, or leadership or whatever. You can just say, well, uh, they played over the last two seasons, they played at like an 81 point pace or something like that. And then they got worse this summer, right? Like that, that's really all you mm-hmm. need to say. I don't think you need to overthink it that much. It's, I think it's you the just... run, the run to the final, like changed all the perceptions. But if you had gone back to, I don't know, end of April when the regular season was ending and they were going down the wire with the Flames for the last playoff spot. And you said, right. oh, by the way, next year, uh, they're not going to have Shea Weber. They're not going to have Carey Price at the start of the year. They're going to lose Philippe Deneau in free agency. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, other guys uh, will come in and too. out. But but no Weber, no Price. This team, what do you think? Uh, people would go, oh, they're going to be bad. And they they are. And it's, you know, it's four games, but... Like it's it's already to the point where they're you know the the pace that they have to play at the rest of the way like they need to win five games points, in a row yeah, yeah they need to win five games in a row to get back to playoff pace and then we go from there and it's it's tough and now the other piece of this is Suzuki and Caulfield aren't doing anything and that's something that you look at and say okay that's not going to continue we expect that those guys will will flip it around um, you know in a weird way. The Kakanemi game can't really come soon enough because that's the sort of game where it's just going to be such a weird game and the, the building is going to be in such a strange place and, and everything. It, if, if they win that one, that feels like it could be something you that actually feels like a turning point as, as opposed to just some random you know win over the whoever uh, that, that doesn't mean anything the next game out. Like the, Let's see how that goes. And of course, if they lose that game, then it, it it potentially spirals even more. So yeah, I mean, it's it's not good in Montreal, and you know, there could be trouble brewing. Speaking of brewing, today's episode of Puck Soup mm-hmm. is sponsored mm-hmm. by oh, nothing. No, okay. yeah, yeah, it's, no fine. That's it's fine. fine. It's fine. 
Fantastic. Is sponsored by Trade Coffee, a new sponsor here for our uh, our Puck Soup family. Um, would you consider yourself a certified coffee nerd or a self-professed coffee newbie? Or would you consider yourself like, I don't know, Greg Wyshynski, a coffee addict? Either way, you need to hear about trade. Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. The journey to your perfect cup starts with tight taking their coffee quiz. I love when when companies do the little online quiz thing. Maybe it's my, my proclivity for doing BuzzFeed quizzes. Do you use a French press, automatic drip? Are you a cold brew person? No problem. Your answers will allow trade to pair you with the perfect coffee to fit your taste. I took that quiz before. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a home brewing guy. I'm not like a French press guy or a fancy, a fancy pants. I just throw it in the old coffee maker and make it. But I do grind my beans with a, a high-end uh, bean grinder. Trade will match you to coffees you love from four, over 400 craft coffees. Uh, and we'll send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you like. Trade guarantees you'll love your first match. On the off chance that you don't, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. So you can swap out your bag, Lambert. It's pretty good. Give feedback as you sip. As your preferences evolve, your coffee matches will too. You can feel good about each cup since trade partners with 55 small U.S.-based roasters who are committed to ethical and sustainable sourcing. I love getting trade because it, it, it's – I love getting surprised by coffee. Like you think you know what it's going to taste like if it's from a certain region. But then you grind up the beans, you taste it, and you realize, oh, my goodness, it's better than I thought it was going to be. For our listeners, right now trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com slash puck. That's D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E dot com slash puck. Use promo code puck. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash puck. Promo code puck for your first bag free and $5 off a ya bundle. Are the Habs actually bad? That was a question we just answered. Are the Sabres actually good? is a question that no one can really know. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have never seen the Sabres start a season this good. Yeah, Greg, you're not allowed to say that. Um, let people enjoy things. Uh, they're actually, we all know they're bad, but uh, if you say that they aren't good, that's being uh, rude. It's being rude. So yeah. so we're not allowed to point out that the Sabres, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I think I wrote the same story three years in a row for the Sabres where I like they came to town and I talked to Jack Eichel and we had a good conversation. I'm like, is this going to be the year where you keep it going? He's like, I don't know, maybe. And uh, and then it never like by the third week of the month, they're like in last place and like Eichel's sad again. Well, the question we now have to ask is they've never done it straight out of the gate like this. And so we have to simply ask if. When it comes to Eichel or maybe Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, were the vibes off the whole time? And that was Ewing the issue? Ewing theory. Ewing theory, yeah. You take him out of the lineup and everybody plays harder and better. And uh, and obviously the problem was Eichel. I, I thought you were going to go with the other thing that I started to see now that the Sabres are a juggernaut, which is what if they keep winning and challenge for the Stanley Cup and Eichel decides he wants to stay? That was this, I've seen that all of a sudden now uh, right. three or four games into the season. Yeah. Hey, remember when uh, all those Sabres fans were like, it's actually good that we're losing all these fucking games at Rocks. We love cheering when we lose the shootout to Arizona. Like, what happened to those people? Those people were right. (laughs) (laughs) Shane right. They had Uh, had the correct view of how to look at a team like this. But Yeah, I know. 
Um, you know, let people listen, enjoy things. Whatever. Maybe maybe the issue was is that the Sabers uh, needed to play in front of less than ten thousand fans. More than zero fans. Less than ten thousand fans is the sweet spot. And uh, they're three and zero at home. Um, Sean, it's the Sabers' world. We're only living in it. What's your reaction to the uh, Buffalo uh, dominance early in the season? I think it's great. I, I think it's great for a fan base that was told repeatedly that they probably wouldn't win a game all year. And and they may not win a game the rest of the year, but I'm I'm enjoy I'm enjoying this partly because I get to be I, I made one of those preseason predictions that isn't really a prediction. Like you don't put your neck out and say something's gonna happen, but you just kind of flag <laughs> the possibility and still get credit for it. because uh, I pointed out in in some preview piece that I wrote that the Sabres schedule, like the first ten or eleven games is really bad. Like it in terms of they 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 play, they play garbage really teams. bad yeah. teams. Yeah. I think they have like you know, they they open they have Montreal, they open the they have like maybe Boston shows up. And other than that I think Boston and Tampa like in back to back games or maybe two maybe. out of three okay, games yeah. and something like that. I was just looking at it. But then they play like Chicago I think six times in a row or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's- it's, it's really, really grim. <laughs> and so I wrote, I said, like, you know, if they could start like seven and four, and if that happens, then everybody suddenly starts writing the same, like, oh, wow, what's happening here in Buffalo? And they get to, yeah, nobody believed in us, us against the world, blah, blah, blah. And you can get some momentum out of that. Now, it's not going to take them to the playoffs. It's not, I mean, they're still going to be a bottom five team, but they'll be a bottom five team with some fight in them, and, and maybe that's fun to watch. And, you know, it's weird. I've I don't think I've ever seen an arena where it felt like the lack of fans helped the atmosphere. Like, but the fact that that first game was like eight thousand fans, but it was eight thousand like diehards, just created this kind of cool energy to it. I don't know. Like, it's 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 not going to last. But yeah, do enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, and you know, it's a credit to the. To the players because, you know, and the, and the coach and everything like that, because this on paper could have should have been another Arizona situation where they're just getting their doors blown off and you're sitting there going, man, we got 79 more games of, of this. This sucks. I yeah, want well, the other thing I do to want to call. Is, hold on. I do want to call bullshit on Sean's prediction because they did have to play Arizona twice. So there was impo- right. it was impossible. They'd go winless. Yeah, um, I. I, I do want to also point out that it's not like they've just, you know, like when they won 10 or whatever games it was in a row and it was like, well, they're shooting 24% and getting 960 goaltending and yeah. then getting outshot 48 to 2 every night. Uh, they're playing really well at 5-on-5, five five, and I don't think they've allowed yeah. a power play goal. They're playing yet. defense. Like, yeah. they're really Again, playing some defense. get Ristolainen out of there and look what happened. You know? <laughs> I not, not to get all, like, you know, gooey about this, but I, I really kind of feel good for Don Granato. Like, you talk about a mm-hmm. guy that, that was put in a thankless position last year, and then the only job he could get was coaching what looked like a total piece of shit team this season. And, like, he's got him playing well. And I'm really happy about that. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I like when, when guys, you know, seemingly make the most out of their opportunity. And it looks like he might be one of those guys. Eichel watch. Um, so where we are in Eichel watch, I guess, is that teams 
are hoping the Sabres retain salary, which they won't. Elliot Friedman reported that Colorado was sniffing around Eichel, but then when it became apparent that the Sabres weren't going to retain salary, uh, that situation kind of fell apart. Colorado. Man. I I wrote that Joe Sackick was going to maybe do something, and people are like, no, no, no. Colorado's set. They're fine. Stay the course. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't imagine how they get around the salary cap implications. Yeah. Like, how much money would they have had to keep? Well, I mean, if if Buffalo retains half the salary, then, I mean, all you have to do is throw in, like, one depth defenseman, and you're already pretty pretty close but buffalo's right to say no but what do you what do you do to have buffalo keep five million dollars of dead cap space through the that's it like that's it and and that's and to be clear promise the pagula is a new super yacht yeah that that might be it that's it start the conversation starts with you can just drill another well though right allegedly that's what that's what i've heard if you put new hook and byram in the deal maybe they retain three million a year that's it, right? It's got to be one of the defensemen or even, you know, I, I just just so that people are aware, when it comes to retaining salary, it's all or nothing. You you have to retain for the full length of the deal. You right. can't, for example, Buffalo couldn't say, we'll retain half this year and a quarter next year, and then you're on your own. Like, that's that would be ideal. And I Buffalo would, probably would be willing to do that, but you can't put yourself on the hook three years into the future on a huge... Uh, chunk of salary so they're they're right to say no to that um, it's kind of a fun idea though to al- yeah. allow a yeah i'm, of, I'm of sitting retention. here going shouldn't they though shouldn't <laughs> yeah. that be that'd be kind of nice it'd be it, it would it would serve again like i feel like we need to do more to to loosen up the trade market don't we like i i understand the salary cap is yeah. sacrosanct and we never want to violate it and all that bullshit uh that we have to talk about because we didn't because the players didn't fight for a luxury tax but it does seem like a, 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 a fair amount of tweaking to the system would should be allowed and should be encouraged, and that would seem like a logical move. Well, I think the NHL would say, look, we already tweaked the system. You, there's no such thing as cap recapture anymore. You're welcome. Except mm. unless, you know, uh, you're the Vancouver Canucks, in which case go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, but hey. But hey. Um yeah, so that's Eichel. He's still Saber. He's apparently looking and asking a bunch of doctors, hey, give me more support about how this is a, a super normal surgery. And I don't know. I, I still think I still think there's a 50-50 chance this ends up in court or he ends up on another team this season. Like, I, I'm not convinced that there's going to be a trade, which is, would be a really shitty thing for, way for this whole thing to play out. Yep. Speaking of former Sabres... Hey, Evander Kane, what's up? Fake vaccination card, 21 game suspension by the NHL. This this felt like one of those suspensions that the NFL does occasionally, where it's like the sum total of bullshit. Yeah. And then right. like you give you give them a suspension for something. I was talking to um I was talking to Ray Shiro actually the other day for a story that's coming out this week. And we were uh, reminiscing about suspensions of yore and how, like, you know, occasionally it, it, you have to get Capone on tax evasion, <laughs> right? Yeah. You might you might hit him really hard for tax evasion, but you got to get him on tax evasion. And this feels like we got him on something concrete. We're, we're kind of, like, 
iffy on the rest of the shit, but we're going to hit him on this one. Uh, so 21 game suspension. Uh, Sean, I'll start with you. Do, do you think he ever plays another game with San Jose? Because they're not getting rid of his contract, apparently. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I can't imagine that they do. And I mean, we've been over this a million times. NHL teams will forgive a lot of stuff. If, if you can play, they'll forgive all sorts of things um, that that they probably shouldn't. But the the thing that makes this different is the very loud and clear signals coming out of the, the players that they don't want him back. That, you know, that for whatever reason, in the room, this is just not a guy who's going to be welcome back. So uh, they can't get out of the deal. I, I think that what happens is, you know, after 21 games, um, if if something hasn't been worked out, they will just tell him to stay home. They'll pay him uh, and they'll buy him out in the off season. And then we see if, uh, see where it goes from there. I mean, he can, as long as they're paying him, his options are very limited. You know, if they try to get out of paying him, then obviously the the players union becomes involved as they should and and what have you. But if, you know, he can want to play, uh, but there's nothing in his contract that says that they have to welcome him back as long as they're paying them. And, and I think that's where this goes. I, I think that, you know, that yes, there's, it's pod, there could be injuries, there could be this or that, and they may decide. And, and maybe he really somehow convinces the important people in San Jose that, you know, he's it's going to be different this time. I don't see that happening. I, I think he's, we, we don't see him play at all this year. And uh, he gets bought out in the off season. They don't save much money from doing that. They save a little, but it's, it's, um, probably it's about their, getting their them out of town. They they get yeah. them out. Yeah, they they get them out. Or or I mean, the other thing is you could just terminate the deal. In which case you you you're paying everything, but um, you know you you're paying it all up front. They may die. I don't know what the buyout looks like as far as future years. If they feel like they'd rather just eat it all now, um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I I can't imagine unless something remarkable changes that uh, we're going to see him in San Jose again. And how quickly does Carolina sign him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... You know, it used to be the Kings were like that team. You know, maybe because they had Raiders colors. And then for a while it was Nashville. Remember when they were like the home for wayward players like Mike Ribeiro? Mm. Now I feel like after the D'Angelo signing, it's like all bets are off for Carolina to be sure. that team. So... Yeah, it's it's such an embarrassment. And like, like I said in the podcast the other day, just the idea that he's pulling this shit in Santa Clara County where everyone's just gone through hell for the last year and a half to try to get this thing under control and he's just pulling this bullshit. It's just, I don't know. It was it added an extra layer of beyond the paleness to me about the whole situation. But uh, but there you go. His his uh, We should mention his statement was very interesting uh, that he put out through the um, the NHLPA um, as many pointed out, it, it had sort of a template feel. He said, during, you don't my, say. <laughs> during my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to help make me make better decisions in the future. <laughs> what, what, what counselor do you see about the fake vaccination card being passed to your employer? Like, what is what, what course of Dr. psychoanalysis? Fauci, right? Remember? <laughs> Dr. Remember <Fauci>? that guy? <laughs> so... He says, when my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and love for the game of hockey. That's uh, nice. As many, pe- as many people pointed out, no one, he didn't mention ret- who he would return to play for. 
Um, you know. Yeah. I mean, the thing you got to remember with him also is with his uh, many ongoing legal problems, including the bankruptcy. Like he he probably in some ways has to say certain things to, you know, it's, it's not even like he could just say, yeah, you know what? I'm out. I quit. I'll walk away. He's got creditors who might say, no, you can't do that. You've got to make sure you do legally, you do everything you can to protect the rest of this contract. And so, uh, some of that may, may be reflected here. So, I mean, we, we always already put zero stock in statements that players issue and that's, Good policy mm-hmm. here too, I think. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov is injured. Yeah, I can't believe the they can't believe they faked another injury by having him play the first few games and then That's right. And then start limping during a shift and leave the game. Like what a what a setup. It was the overworked Twitter joke of the week to say. Uh, I mean that's another podcast, but yeah, it was pretty uh it was I mean everybody ran for the Kucherov jokes. Um John Cooper said he's not he's like not going to miss 56 games. That's it's nice. A, Thanks, John. Appreciate it's a prognosis. that. But... <laughs> so, like I guess take solace in that. But um he's going to miss you know, 55 and John Cooper's like, "Well, I told you." <laughs> the Lightning are still hella good even though they took it on the chin from Florida. I think they'll still be okay, but it just sucks, man. I was really looking forward to seeing Kucherov for a full 82 this year to see what that point total looks like, and it looks like he's going to be out for a bit. Yeah, and, you know, like, they played in a weak division last year, and that is kind of what helped them avoid the whole, you know, like, the the negative effects of missing one of the best players on the planet, right? Like, maybe the best power play player outside of Edmonton in the league, Um it didn't it didn't matter so much because you were like, well, the whole division stinks, so you know, who cares? Um this year the division is good. And and you know, that's not even getting into how, how terrifying the Sabres look all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> and um and so I do wonder, like, you know, because we said all along, the top three in that division is really interesting because there are four really good teams in it. Now is it maybe three in a wild card team? You know that yeah. that's that's the question you have to ask because, um, you know, uh, Boston somehow only played one game so far, yeah. but they they took Dallas to the cleaners to the point where their coach was like, "Listen, if we don't get it's game two, and their coach is like, if we don't get going here soon, I'm gonna be fucking pissed." <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Like, you lost two games, and one of them was to the Boston Bruins, a really good team. Uh, but, like, that's how good the Bruins were in that in that one game. So, you know. Um, Their I, only game. How fucking weird is it that, that, like, the Bruins have played a game, and it's like we're o- over a weekend of the season? The Boston Red Sox have played, like, four playoff games since the <laughs> Bruins' last game. Like, what's going on? But, um, yeah, it, like like I said, you know, the the... I think we mentioned earlier, the Panthers look really fucking good. Yeah. And, you know, the Leafs are the Leafs, I guess you want to say, but they're, they only have one regulation loss from four games. So, and we're not going to mention who it's against. What's Um, the current status of the Leafs, Sean? I haven't been paying attention. What are we worried about? Marner? 
Marner is the is the only answer. Yeah. Mar- well, yeah, he's he hasn't done anything. Uh, the Nick Ritchie looks like a, a real dud. Um, huh? Who could have seen that line. coming? <laughs> <Yeah>. Crazy. <laughs> and then obviously Matthews missed the first three games. Came back in game four. Looked great. Didn't score. Um, it's. I mean, the status of the Leafs is the same. It's going to be all regular season long. Who cares? Yep. Nothing. Um, as long as they make the playoffs, matters. none of it matters. Uh, there's really no point talking about and, them. They will win in the playoffs or lose, and then that will be how the season is remembered. And Mrazek got hurt, right? Another thing no one could have anticipated. Yeah, he did, and then they had to dress a oh, uh, right. university student as the backup goalie, which led to many very weird think pieces about how this was either a huge problem or a huge indictment of, of the Maple Leafs and how they managed where do you cap. Where do you fall on that? Huge problem or huge indictment? It, neither. Neither. It's, That's uh, right, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you spend up to the cap. You, you inherit certain risk. Uh, it was a unique situation in that, you know, the, the only way this could have happened is if they lost a goalie and other players simultaneously, which they did because Justin Hall couldn't, couldn't play. They had the option of sending down uh, one of their defensemen who was waivers exempt, but then they would have had to play a man short on the blue line. They would have had to use five defensemen. Uh, but they could have brought up Michael Hutchinson as the backup goalie, and they decided to roll the dice and say, you know what, backup goalies almost never play, so let's let's uh, hope that uh, Jack Campbell doesn't get hurt during the game, and we'll put this this kid on, and and that's it worked. Uh, and and now because of that, you you have to you have to be short a player for one game before you can use emergency recall. So that was their one game. Now Hutchinson's up, and it's fine. I don't. I don't see a pro. I think the Leafs probably made the right call, um, and they're in a situation of their own choosing because they're spending right up against the cap, which teams probably should do if they can. But you take a risk, and sometimes you get bit, and and that doesn't mean that there's a problem with the system, and we got to change things. Um, I, I'm more sympathetic on Colorado. Because there you had like the COVID tie-in mm-hmm. where I, I, I do think there's an argument to be made that, okay, for COVID, we should maybe treat it differently and uh, something like that. But for the Leafs, no, they, you know, they, they rolled the dice, they lost, but it didn't cost them anything. Everyone move on. Yeah. My only thing with it is like, maybe they should have, because, you know, again, with, with Colorado, like that's a fully vaccinated team and there was still a COVID problem within, within the club. And, and so... Should there have been, uh, you know, like smaller, maybe temporary taxi squads to start the year until everybody, you know, got it more, a little more under control, maybe? I don't know. I, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of have a little sympathy for that. It's maybe, again, maybe not with the Leafs, but certainly for Colorado. It's like, yeah, they didn't do anything wrong and they're like missing Nathan yeah. McKinnon for multiple games and blah, blah, blah. Um, should there, should there have been a, uh, a taxi squad. I, I kind of feel like there should have been, you know, with with the benefit of hindsight or whatever. But this is I get sound why like I'm high, and I'm not. As Bane once said, <laughs> speaking of freaking Bane Colorado, said, right, folks? Um, Sean, are you surprised that we haven't gotten to the point in the NHL where we have players that? can be like a forward but also a goalie? Yeah, let me use a, a football example. Like, you have guys that play in the NFL that were quarterbacks in high school, right, or whatever, and then they get switched to wide receiver. 
Yeah, now, true. see, I've never heard about that. Anytime a guy who did that, it's true. Uh, th- it never comes up on a broadcast. Yeah, it, it comes up once or twice. And by the way, you you claim you've never watched football, so yeah, I mean, I don't really watch football. Okay, but this okay. is this is a little difficult to ignore, which is the right. whole point of what so I. So they talk about how like a guy played quarterback in high school, then got switched to wide receiver, and then like if they need him to do something quarterbacky. Uh, he does it like they'll they'll do like a you know an option pass and oh he used to play quarterback yeah it's a guy who hasn't thrown a football in fifteen still years still got it one yeah. trick play are you yeah, you're like that. look at that great throw and it's just wobbling. <laughs> are you surprised that in situations like this like when you have to go get a university goalie to be your backup that there isn't there hasn't been the innovation in the NHL where like your depth your fourth line depth forward is also a guy who played goalie it could do both no. No, because it's just such a different skill set. Like in in the NFL, like guys, there's there's lots of guys who play quarterback through high school because they're the best athlete their town has ever had, and then they get to college, and it's like yeah, you get to be the second string tight end, and and they work their way up. Baseball, the same thing. You can be a hitter and a pitcher, and then you start to specialize later. Uh, hockey, I mean, you're by the time you're seven years old, hat. like you yeah. know if you're a goalie or a or a skater. So it's, uh, it's exactly. So, I mean, there, there's just no, uh, no crossover at all. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, there are some guys who are, there's always the one crazy guy on each team who like wants to put the pads on and is well, secretly hoping for that. There's situation. also the but, whole faint, like the thing of like, you know, Sidney Crosby plays goalie in ball hockey. So he could, right, he could yeah. be a goalie. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Fucking absolutely. <laughs> Um, I just, I just, I mean, like, I guess at the end of the day, what you're saying is that a, a fourth line forward that doesn't practice being a goalie is not all that much of an improvement over a, play, a goalie from university or like the team videographer who puts on the, the yes. pads in practice. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It's, uh, it's just so, so different. By the way, I, I, shout out to the Senator fans out there who I'm sure there were at least a few of them that were kind of like holding their breath, like two years of David Ayer's <laughs> Zamboni jokes. And then, uh-oh, right. the Leafs have got like an ex, uh, you know, some accounting intern sitting on the bench, but no, not to be. Let's talk about a couple of positive surprises, or not positive, I mean, not really surprises necessarily, but the good starts. Um, Minnesota is 3-0, and that insane rally against the Jets, which I touched on that, and... Uh, yeah, on on a very cheesy offside call that it was I don't know, I was I was watching the game and it was and it was like they showed one angle where you could see the skate over the line but not the puck and it's like that doesn't help us. And they're like, "Wow, we need a clear and we need a it needs to be clear and obvious." And then they went to the overhead view like from the upper scoreboard and they're like, "Oh, okay, here you can see." And it was like it was like a quarter of an inch, and you're like, yeah, from the overhead, yeah, that's that's clear and obvious, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm glad we nailed that one. Uh, and also, let's not forget, uh, Joel Erickson Eck had a, a hat trick, uh, which I think uh, seals his candidacy for the Selkie, uh, if memory serves how that award works. Yep, now that he's it. chipping in offensively, he can finally be the best defensive forward. Congrats, Penguins are two. 2-0 and 2, a good start for them. But the one start that we should probably talk about is fucking Capitals. Holy shit. Not only, you know, d- d- like dismantling the Colorado Avalanche in McKinnon's first game of the season, but like playing 
really well all around and defensively playing extraordinarily well. Shot suppression has been off the charts in the early part of the season. Um, I did not think they'll make the playoffs. Have they convinced you otherwise that they're going to be a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, I think we said it a bunch of like, I, I'm not going to fully count them out. Um, but, you know, I the, the the interesting thing to me, I guess, to say is that uh, Al Sovetian is scoring a million fucking goals. He's got he's got four through three games, you know. Again, we were all pretty skeptical that they could uh, that they could get him to the Gretzky number. And like my big takeaway is he might get there. Like you know, if <laughs> it, like if he gets if he gets like forty or fifty goals this year, fucking forget about it, right? Like yeah. that that I like I, I you know I've said it before, but I think the. The the contract they signed him to this summer basically s- signals we only care like as a franchise we only care about getting Ovechkin past Gretzky, and uh, so far that's working. I think all other uh, results are kind of uh, secondary to anything else they're trying to do. It's fun to watch. I I I hope that they can stay healthy, but yeah. I've been really impressed with and the capital so far. Evgeny Kuznetsov, kind of like the classic. Oh right, they still have that guy, guy where you're yeah, and he's good when he's not annoying the hell out of them off the ice. He's pretty good on the ice. So I, we've been saying for years with the Capitals, like it, the fall is going to happen. It's probably going to be sudden. It's probably going to be ugly, but we just don't know if this is the year or if it's going to be next year. We've been saying that for three years now. So that far, it doesn't seem like this is going to be the year. That Piri Lavi, that's a pretty good coach, too. So yep. they're in good shape. Um, all right. Today's episode of Puck Soup is sponsored uh, by Better Health. This, Better Help. This is the thing that I mentioned last episode. I don't have a fun transition for because it's a serious topic. <laughs> is there something that's uh, preventing you from achieving your goals, uh, interfering with your happiness? Check out betterhelp.com slash puck uh, as BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. I am an advocate for therapy. I, it's helped me. I'm sure it's helped many of you. If you are somebody who has been hesitant about it or curious about it, check out BetterHelp. You connect in a safe and private online environment. It's very convenient. You can start communicating in 48 hours. It's not a crisis helpline. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor at any time. You can get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or sometimes an even more uncomfortable therapy room. Um, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. Uh, it's available to clients worldwide. Um, anything you share with them is confidential. It's convenient, professional, affordable. And you can check out some testimonials on their site if you'd like. If you want to start living a happier life today, uh, as a listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash puck. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash uh, puck. Uh, join over 1 million people who have taken tra- a charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash puck. Anything else to talk about in the hockey world? I think we covered all the bases. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I can't think of anything. Did you see Bond? Uh, yeah, sure did. Loved it. Yeah, really good. And I don't usually like a Bond movie very much. So, um, 
I mean, obviously a little bit long, as these Bond movies tend to be, and... I mean, I don't want to get into spoiler territory. Maybe we'll do a, like our own podcast talk about spoiler territory. But I found it to be very good. I found the the biggest problem with the movie to be that they did what movies can't do, which is it, show me a movie I'd rather be watching, which is the Anna de Armas uh, and Daniel Craig are secret agent buddies going on uh, missions together in Cuba movie. Yeah, is, that was by far the most fun part of the movie. Absolutely. It, the problem is that it happens in like the first hour of the film, mm-hmm. right? Kind That's of, right. and like you're just looking at it and you're like, "Oh fuck, this would be so much more fun." Um, but it was fun. Are you? Have you prepared your loins for Dune? Uh, I'm seeing it Thursday night. I can't fucking wait. Um, but you know, uh, it, let's put it this way. If even Hideo Kojima, the uh, guy created uh, Metal Gear Solid is like, yeah, I'm not sure this is like a super satisfying single movie narrative. I'm like, uh Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> this guy uh, knows a lot about uh, not satisfying narratives. Let's put it that way. Sean, do they have, do they have dunes in Canada? No, no, we have uh it's, it's called drift up here. It's, uh, oh. and it's, it's, not as good. Mm. You mean like drift racing or? No, it's a snow drift. So uh, just, that's, that's it. For you as a young Sean, did you? Drift did racing you... is called uh, out of control skid racing up here. <laughs> What's your skidoo? As a young Sean, did you read Dune? Were you a sci-fi no. reading guy? No, I never did. I, as I've said before, I was never a sci-fi guy as a kid. Um, I was uncool, but just not in the sci-fi way. So I, I never got into any of that stuff. <laughs> Gotcha. Dune rocks. You should read it. It's fucking really good. <laughs> yeah, I have I have heard that. I might I don't know. I might check it out. Lots of great made up words. Can I just watch the movie without reading the book, or is it going to be one of those things where? Um. I I should... Well, so the thing is this. So the movie is not like the first forty percent <laughs> of the book, I guess. <laughs> yes. Something like that. So uh, you're gonna uh, walk out of that movie going. Much like when I saw Fellowship of the Ring without having seen uh, or having read any of the Lord of the Rings books, going, wait a minute, the movie's yeah. over? <laughs> Nothing happened. That Except one guy that died, one was, and that's it. That one was planned to be a trilogy, and this one is different because it's like, we're going to make this one, it's like 40% of the book, and, and if it do- and they'll if it let goes us well. make the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and- like guaranteed. So the good news is, for the people who were worried about that, it's already made like $150 million overseas before it ever gets to the U.S. So they're going to make the sequel for sure. Um, like, it, it would take something like, let's put it this way, like The Last Duel or uh, Many Saints of Newark making like right. $5 million, which isn't going to happen, obviously. Right. Um. So... Yeah, I like they're going to make the sequel. If you haven't read the book, uh, to answer your question, I might wait another like three years for the sequel before you watch the first one. Just because you're going to be like, oh, so who's Gurney Halleck again? Like, what's happening here? Oh, I don't. So just, just so I'm clear, at the end, by the end of the second movie, we'll, we'll understand how Paul Atreides got the candy factory. That's right. Or am I mixing yeah. up my films? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a, a, a strange uh, experience, I think, for anybody who's never seen it. Because, you know, the, the thing I've always said about Dune is it's, like, not fun. And the first 40% <laughs> of the book is very slow. So, like, the idea that they are making a movie that isn't fun 
and the first 40, and it's only the first 40% of the book, which is to say the slow part. I don't, I don't know what this movie's going to be. I'm going to love it because uh, I love Dune, but. Definitely something for the poster, though. Very slow and not fun. Dune. Um, Sean, you sent me a note that said you will not pretend to care about pre-game dress codes. Yeah. What does that mean? That that means I I don't care. I, I don't care that the <laughs> Leafs have relaxed their dress code. I don't care that Arizona got rid of it. I don't care that other teams are allowed to do it. And I don't... Uh, I, I'm happy that other people are interested in this. I've seen some of the rankings and that kind of thing. Um, but I have no... Anyone who's ever met me and seen how I dress will not be surprised that I have no insight to add to... Uh, to this and uh, especially just because it involves the Leafs um, my ambivalence towards this regular season extends to like haha did you see the funny hat that William Nylander wore no I didn't and I don't want to we should mention get in the playoffs um, and win a game and then I'll care how Austin Matthews styled his hair with the exception of course of Patrick Liney and I can't get enough right, obviously. of his yeah. his continuing descent into supervillain status <laughs> We should mention The Athletic is going to start doing uh, player yep. fit rankings. Yep. Sarah Sivian and Adam Vingan are going to that, And I'm sure, I'm sure those will be good. Uh, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that mm, me personally. Like knocking it. He's pissed off. He hates it. <laughs> yeah. Just saying if you let me do it, it would just be the one guy wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I'd be like, yeah, that's it. I think that you and, and uh, Gentili should have collaborated to do the fit rankings. Two two paragons of of, uh, of 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 fashion fashion icons, yeah. Gentilly's yeah. going. He's not wearing a Lawrence Arms tee. He's out. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I, I've always thought that you know it, it's a it's a, another entry point into hockey to have the the fits of these guys walking into the arena become a thing, or what they were in the post game. So the the only it. time I ever enjoyed in sports, I don't care about pregame. I do kind of like it in, especially in the NFL post game. For some reason, either where you get like a like a Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, where he was just like he dressed all crazy after because they had won, or when you get like some Cam Newton type who has like the very cool fit to start, but then they lose and he's got to sit there dressed like the Joker, and it's just like <laughs> the whole vibe is just like you can tell he's sitting there going, "I, I should have just worn a suit because right." Uh, I got it. Like, you know, what did you see on the third interception? And the guy's wearing like a neon green bow tie, and you're just like, no. Nah, <laughs> I always thought it was a kind of a dangerous thing, though, for hockey fans to be like, let the players wear what they want to wear, and not realizing that means, you know, sixty percent of them will wear barstool t-shirts, their post-game press conferences, and yeah. the other forty percent will wear MAGA hats. Exactly. You know, at some point, we're just going to well, get what we wish. I, I mean, I'm, those numbers feel low, and the the idea that there's not an overlap there is. Uh, Seems optimistic. Oh, it's true. I guess it would. Yeah, it wouldn't be that, like that Venn diagram. Has, yeah, yeah. Speaking of wearing shit, uh, Nathan Herbert has come up with our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite for the week. Um, obviously, we had an epic bonus episode involving uh, candy for Halloween. Halloween fast approaching, so Nathan wants to know: overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite Halloween costumes. Halloween costumes, the things that you wear on Halloween. Overrated for me is uh, seasonal memes. 
Um, I know that you could get a good chuckle out of somebody dressing like I'm a coronavirus and she's a syringe kind of shit. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Back- I, went, I went fucking four years in a row as the freaking left shark. that's my point exactly not only does it become instantly dated look this is coming from somebody who dressed up his dog as pizza rat one year which again extraordinarily endearing and sneakers look great but for the adults out there don't don't dress like don't be salt bay just just don't don't have to do it overrated meme costumes yeah that that's a good one um I don't know. I, I don't really have any opinions on these sorts of things. I don't. I don't care. Wear whatever my, you want. My my only overrated would be anything that is a pun that you have to explain. Because mm. it's Ooh, almost always like fun. a low. Like you know, like your your buddy Mark shows up and he just has like a check pinned to his shirt, and you're like, "What are you?" And he's like, "I'm a check mark," and you're like, "Oh." Oh. And then there's just like awkward silence. I, and then somebody one, else comes up, what are you? And it's like, oh, we're not doing this the whole, get out. Get I out. had one pun costume I always wanted to do, but I wanted to do it at Comic-Con. I wanted to have a bunch of like wires coming off of me with neckties tied to them. Okay. And then I wanted to wear boxing gloves and I was going to be a tie fighter. Would that have passed muster? No, Would that, that have been sucks. good. That's, uh... That's exactly. That's, that's what a good. Sean that's a good illustration of what I was talking about. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Underrated. Vampire. Vampire costumes are always awesome. People look awesome when they're vampires. Vampires are sexy as fuck, and it's like an easy costume to do. You just need a black cape and some fucking fangs and shit. And being a vamp, being a vampire, would be really cool were it not for having to be a vampire. You know, and like drink blood and kill people and shit so uh a vampire underrated costume i love a hobo costume anytime you're wearing a hobo costume i feel like that rocks um complete with the little the little bag on a pole yeah little yeah and perfect for carrying your candy you you get your little bindle but you also gotta do like the 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 uh (laughs) face paint stubble you know like all that stuff um, again, speaking of low effort costumes, you just walk into a a, a Goodwill or whatever in it. Dude, but I I, I just not, need the bag and the stick, and I'm already there. <laughs> uh, especially when it's a little kid doing it, I just remember thinking anytime I saw a little kid dressed like that, I'm I'm laughing, I'm having a, a grand old time. And you know they'll they'll they can also let you know if a dishonest man lives in a house. So that's right for the hobo code. Yeah, right. Uh, Sean, underrated costume. Uh, you know, I don't have an underrated costume, but I will say a, an underrated aspect of costumes is I get uh, way too much joy out of the photos of costumes that are like either on the package or if you go on like a website. It, it's just nothing but like people wearing dumb looking costumes and having to like look like they just walked into the room. And got a big reaction. Like, that's always the, you know, like, you're, like, a, dressed as a taco, but you got, like, your arms out, like, hey, like, oh, my God, it's a taco. And you're, like, just hearing that. It's, it, it just cracks me up, that, that entire genre of photos of that are just terrible of these awful costumes. Um, I, I want to meet the dude who's, like, I'm assuming there's one photographer who handles all the Halloween costume 
shots and I want to, that'd be an amazing, amazing gig and a good interview. I'd read that. Exactly. Like you just like, what's my motivation? Okay. You just walked into the room, you're a breathalyzer and the tube is coming out of your crotch and like, you're pointing at it. (laughs) It's like, all right, I can do that. (laughs) Jesus. Favorite costume. This is tough. I know what my least favorite is. I think my favorite might be anything involving a wound. I always like it when uh, people put in the extra effort to go to like the costume shop and get the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not aesthetic, uh, prosthetic. There it is. Like, uh, you get those wounds that you can kind of like attach and glue to your body and then use yep. makeup to like make it look like you've actually been sliced in the neck. Anything involving a super awesome gooey wound is my favorite, maybe because of my affinity for massive head wound Harry from SNL. Um, but yes, a wound. Any wound is my favorite costume. Um, I, I like uh, whenever they just like, uh, when you're a kid and your parents just like slap a sports jersey and then a hat of that jersey and you're like oh i'm a guy from the freaking oakland athletics i'm an athletic again yeah that that you know and maybe if you are a baseball player you get the the eye black under your eyes but that's about it that's that's all the that's Mm -hmm. all the effort you need to put in and everybody totally accepts it i was that kid i was a met one year when i was a kid yeah um could never hold on to the candy it was very sad Always just drops to the ground. Yeah, that's favorite a, costume. That's a solid costume. I mean, I respect any like homemade costume that actually works. Just partly because I have no ability to like make or do anything um, in general, but especially clothing wise. So uh, that I always respect that. My my personal favorite, and I go back and forth on whether this was a good idea. But uh, about twenty years ago, uh, my uh, uh, then girlfriend and I were, uh, we went to a party and I, I went like, I was all like bloody and I had like a big carved up neck and everything. And we, we did it up really like not quite zombie, but I, you know, fresh horror victim sort of thing. And people like that. Uh, and, and she went as like this, this beautiful, like white tiger with like the stripes and everything and people like that. And they thought it was cool. And then they realized that we were together and we were going as uh, uh, Roy from Siegfried and Roy mm-hmm. and and the Tiger and people got mad and they were uh, <laughs> like we got a few like too soon because it was like a week after it happened or whatever. And that, it All was right. just, it was just I, fun I, to I see people I... like oh look at that and then like they're not together. Oh no, okay. So that was that was. I I know I I don't recommend means. it now, but, but you know if if you got two little ones and they're looking for costumes for the school dance yeah i know i shot on memes but i'll allow it it's good least favorite look this is for the ladies in the audience i love you i love you you're all wonderful at making costumes and you look fantastic on halloween um i appreciate effort it's my favorite you know looking like you have a gaping wound and it requiring prosthetics and makeup and shit like that buying a pair of cat ears at cvs and putting little black whiskers on your face with like the makeup you already own it's not effort. Yeah. Not effort. Yeah. That's oh, true. That's not a costume. That's, that's, you're going to a club. That's my least favorite costume. Yeah. This is bad news from that, for that guy from the last season of The Bachelorette. That's exactly. 
Thank you. Um, <laughs> For the Bachelorette fans in the audience. That's right. Didn't watch last night's season premiere. Didn't but watch it either. You never need to watch the season premiere of The Bachelorette or The Bachelorette. Oh, no, you do, because you have no. to see the gimmicks when they arrive. Those, like, gi- those gimmicks the are the worst. No, those that's the worst part of the season, objectively, every single time. Um... I saw on the on the preview for the episode that a guy drove up in a fire engine and he asked the bachelorette to hold his hose, which is yeah. And somebody uh, like was a teacher or something, and he was like, "Are we? Or am I going to give you an A or am I going to give you a D?" And she was like, "Get the fuck away from me!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, that rocked. Um, let me think. I, I just had a good one, and then. I, I do realize. Oh no! It's it's those uh, those. Co- I don't think they really exist anymore. But those costumes that were definitely around when we were a kid, where it's like I'm Spider Man, and uh, I, it comes with a little mask that's only like the front half of your no. face, and right. then like the a little plastic smock, plastic that says, tie that always just has a little always breaks a bunch of yeah. little pictures of Spider Man on it, and it's like, yep, Spider Man doesn't wear a shirt with him on it. <laughs> yep. You know, like that's that's not what. That's not what he wears. Or, so. or the worst were the the ones where it was like Superman, and so you're wearing just a mask of like a guy with dark hair. That's right. Like, yeah. I'm a guy. Why do I have to get like cuts all over my face from this razor sharp mask? Yeah. I had yeah, I had the razor sharp plastic mask with the little little plastic uh, band uh, for Chewbacca. I was Chewbacca one year and uh, had that mask. Chewbacca, Greg. Speaking yeah, of why memes. not? Uh, all right, least favorite, Sean. Um, for me, any costume in Canada that you have to, your mom either makes you wear your winter coat over it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> or under it. I'm not even sure which one is worse. Um, it is always minus 20 degrees here in Halloween, and uh, you can either be like a stormtrooper where it's like you just have to take my word on it because I'm wearing a green <laughs> coat over it or you can be like in this super puffy you know just every every kid in canada goes as a sumo wrestler every exactly Exactly. the only good news is now we just pull on a hockey jersey and we just go as a goaltender and it's like yeah that looks that looks (laughs) right that looks exactly you nailed it you are jsg gear in 2003 nicely done or you try to convince people there was a hudson bay on the death star i guess one of the two that's right um, all right, well, there you go. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody, or whatever. Uh, that's Puck Soup for this week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can read my stuff at ESPN.com. Uh, I have my column coming out on Thursday. I have a big feature story coming out, I believe it's Friday, so look out for that. And, um, yeah, that's about it going on in my life right now outside of uh, unpacking boxes and carrying them to the side of the road to get picked up. That's my life right now, is that. Um, and also finding out what drains don't work in the new place. That's also an exciting time. Uh, that, Ryan? That's good advice uh, for people who are buying a house. Is, uh, check which sinks work. Well, okay. I, I thought I did in the in the kitchen, and then lo and behold, uh, it, first of all, the sink sucks. It's like... There's a little part, a little little part of the sink where the drain works, and then the big part of the sink that's not really all that big. You can't even fit a pot inside of it where the sink, uh, the drain doesn't work. Hmm. Um, so uh, I certainly don't know shit about dick about plumbing. Uh, so we're in a pickle. Any good plumbers out there that want to come to the house, uh, we were not going to use you. We'll use somebody else. But thanks for <laughs> your service. Uh, you can check my shit out at uh, eprinkside.com if you uh, want to sign up for an annual subscription. Um, uh, the code is I love EP, all one word. 
And yeah, I, I feel like that's about it. Um, I got a lot of good stuff over there. Oh, and I also, I just remembered that uh, when we were talking about the Canadians earlier, I, I meant to say Habana syndrome. Is that anything? Oh, okay. Yeah. Say, that like, might be the problem. Workshop that. that one. Yeah. Trademark that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, I love EP at eprinkside.com. You get all uh, all my takes on college mm-hmm. hockey and the NHL, and Greg isn't allowed to say the thing. Don't say the thing. Uh, I'm at The Athletic. Uh, nope. I will uh, uh, be writing off and on for the next little while. Uh, kind of a bit of a reduced schedule, but you will still be able to find my stuff, including the weekend rankings, which are back for another year. Uh, and I, I believe that today, Thursday, is actually the last day of our current 50% off offer. So uh, as much as I know that we like to joke about The Athletic doing lots of uh, discounts in that, this one is ending. And uh, I don't know if there's going to be another one for a little while, so... If you have been on the fence, uh, jump in now. Uh, last mm. chance. Yeah, exactly. Um, and shout out to you, the person who plays, pays full price for the athletic. We love you. You're our favorite person in the world. There are there um, are many of them, and oh, it's worth every penny. It, it, I didn't say it wasn't. I, for one, am looking forward to the fashion rankings, Sean. Uh, that's Puck Soup for this week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, mailbag on the way on the Patreon. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got the commentary to an FL commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. Box <sighs> soup.